Gethin Jones is one of the nation's most loved TV presenters and you can see him every day on BBC Morning Live. I'm lucky enough to call him one of my closest friends and he's helped me to believe so many times that anything is possible for me. But he is the voice of reason, he does not tell you what you want to hear and he always wants you to do better and be better. He's also one of the hardest working people I know and always has time for those close to him. But who is the real person behind that handsome face? As a friend, I'm continually excited to hear about his latest achievements on and off the screen. And I wanted a chance for listeners to be inspired by his story. From the geeky Welsh boy who played the violin for hours in his bedroom, to the 45-year-old man on your screens today, who I believe is just getting started. AIP family, I bring you Mr. Gethin Jones. Welcome to the Anything Is Possible podcast, where we want to inspire people that anything is possible for them at any age. Today, I am with nation's favorite, Gethin Jones. I met Gethin five years ago, actually on an event, and we have been friends, argued and bickered, basically like brother and sister ever since. But what intrigued me when we first met was that in my eyes, Gethin was super famous, but where he was at that time, he felt lost and wasn't sure whether he was going to make it in the way that he'd hoped to. So Geth, you were 40 then when we met. (laughs) Fast forward to today, you're 45 and the story is very different. Um, We have a lot of listeners in the audience who are in their 40s that think maybe their career is done, that they can't change anything, when in reality the opposite is true. So... Gethin, star of BBC Morning Live, one show, Celebrity MasterChef, Strictly Come Dancing, It Takes Two and more. That doesn't sound like the bio of someone that didn't make it. <laughs> Welcome to the show. It's so nice to be here. Thank you for finally asking me. <laughs> Was it series three and I get an invite? I'm touched. <laughs> Did we really meet five years ago? Five years ago, yeah. um, Manchester PA PA Awards. Awards, Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think our first interaction was a slight argument over rehearsals or something, as I recall. I loved you from the start. I was so (laughs) impressed. Obviously, I've done quite a few events over the last 20 years or 15 years then, (laughs) because your maths is spot on. And I was blown away by how good you were as a person and as a company. So um, I think that's probably one of the the reasons we stayed in touch after, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, And it was a good night. It was. It was a good night. It was a successful night. So um, yeah, and here we are. My goodness. It feels like we've been through a lot in those five years. Yeah. That's maybe what it feels longer to me. Yeah, yeah, we have. We have been through a lot because obviously, and we'll touch on it, uh, lockdown, both had massive journeys personally and professionally. Mm. So, and that's you what turned we're gonna... up for dinner um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> as no. a daffodil. <laughs> uh, when I say turn up, it was on Zoom, obviously, because we couldn't have dinner. That was one of the weirdest nights of my <laughs> Lockdown life, but I'm sure we'll get to that later on. We absolutely will, yeah. Probably the daffodil. Yeah. (laughs) Or were you a leek? I can't remember. I was a daffodil. It was definitely a Welsh. It was um, a Welsh-themed Zoom celebrity master chef evening. Yes. Mm. So they were lockdown days. (laughs) (laughs) Well, lots of other weird nights since. (laughs) Um, So, what a five years it's been. Mm. Um, But before we look at that, you aren't from a showbiz family. No. Um, You're completely self-made. But take us back to Wales and grow. Up. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it's. Uh, I thought the television was a sort of weird box uh, in the corner of the room. Not for a second did I ever think that I would work in it or in the industry. Parents are teachers. My sister ended up being a physio. Well, I don't know. I was just a sort of normal, um, uh, normal kid. Uh, musical. My yeah. mum was a violin teacher. Yeah. Um, my dad played the cello, so we played. I played the violin, my sister played the cello, we both did piano. Yeah. It was really cool. <laughs> uh, no, but I'm so glad of that now. You know, it's a, an amazing skill to have. Yeah. And then sort of left uh, school to go to uni in Manchester. Um, and that's when Manchester became a big part of my life, yeah. as it still is. Um, it's weird how things turn out, really. You do a degree in geography and economics and end up on the telly. So tell us how that happened. Like, when was that first spark when you thought, oh, 
TV career. It wasn't a spark. I was right. uh, working. I was actually taking complaints. I was working on the Gwifren Gwilwid, uh, the viewers hotline for SLC as a bit of a job because I didn't want to just go Wait, on a Wait, a viewers hotline? What was yeah. it? For a TV show? Yeah, so for SLC, the Welsh fourth channel. Of course. And I would yeah. take complaints. You know what? I still remember the people that wrote in. <laughs> there was Catherine from Ebergele. There was Murdin um, from Oith Reederafod. I remember their addresses and their phone numbers. It's so weird. And that's when I realised that TV was such an important medium for people. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. it's, um, even today we've done a show this morning and we were talking about um, stem cells and being able to donate. And so many messages from people saying, I've just done it. I mean, yeah. how powerful is that mm -hmm. as a medium? So, mm -hmm. so sort of saw how early on what that was like. And I used to joke saying that I used to take the complaints for telly and now I'm causing them. <laughs> So it was a bit of a weird thing. But yeah, I never thought about it at all. And then a friend said, have you ever thought about presenting? Went for the job. The guy who got it didn't want it. And I started on my 24th birthday on a show called Pop D with Alex Jones from The One Show. No way. And Sally Elgan, who does a lot of sport on uh, BT and rugby and stuff. And, you know, fast forward 20 years, me and Al were doing the Queen's funeral for a week. Yeah. You know, and, and the BBC's, you know, the BBC were really nervous about that that week and about getting the pitch right and yeah. it was just lovely to do it with a friend that I've known for so long. Oh, what a full circle. I know, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. So how so you, how old were you when you were in the call centre? Oh, I don't know, after uni, so whatever that was. Like, like and then just 20. doing different jobs really, trying not to, you know, go on the dole or anything yeah, like just trying yeah. to work and, and figure out what I wanted to do and then started on, on property on my 24th birthday. <laughs> So a total full circle moment, but obviously then your big break, would you say, was Blue Peter? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was working on another Welsh show at the time and then they were looking for Blue Peter presenters, eight months, 1,600 lads. Wow. Eight months is, that how many, is that how many people they interview? I think so, yeah. yeah, yeah. Not interview, but like they, they, they get about that yeah, amount, you know. yeah. That's how many people they hear from, or, or guys at the time, because they were looking for a boy to replace yeah. Simon Thomas. Ah. And it was eight months of doing various wacky different things, like, yeah. I don't know, arguing what was better, Velcro or laces with another presenter, or doing live OBs or fitness tests or whatever. It was um, pretty full on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was, and then got told I hadn't got it um, because I was a bit dull and boring. Really? And um, the boss, who is now a really good friend of mine, we laugh about it because I phoned him up and went, it's not fair. You know, the, you know, the, the process really straight-jacketed and you've not seen the best of me. And I was really fighting for it. And I think yeah. that that resonated with him was the fact that I wouldn't take no yeah. for an answer. And, you know, the theme of this podcast is anything is possible. I think I could have just given up then. Yeah. But there was something in me that was saying, no way, I'm not finished yet. Yeah. He said, I can't give you the job, but I'll put you back in the running if you want. <gasps> you, you crazy fool. I'm like, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's quite a special moment when I found out that I'd got the job uh, as the 31st Blue Peter presenter. And where were you when you found out? I got called upstairs and, and Rich pulled me in and um, it was like, congratulations, you're the... Oh my God, that's like, how many years ago? I'm still getting emotional thinking about it. He said, you're going to be the 31st Blue Peter presenter. Um, and... You're going to appear on the show today as Father Christmas, but no one knows you. And then we'll, we'll you know, yeah. reveal you later. But on you're the, the next presenter. You have one phone call. Is my Auntie Jean? Oh, mm. your Auntie Jean was it really? Because I was going to appear oh. on the show for the first time on her seventieth birthday. Oh. So it was a bit of a oh, it's just amazing. The whole thing was just utterly bizarre. Things like that don't happen to a boy like me, born to carry the coal, sit in front of the fire. Two years, two and a half years, 14 days off, including the weekends, 27 grand a year, pay cut to do it. Didn't even know how much I was getting paid. Didn't care. Yeah, yeah. What a game changer. So the day that, I bet you do remember because you remember everything. What was the day that the show first went out with you in it? Do you remember that? Yeah, that was it. So it yeah. was uh, oh. Angie Jean's birthday, 26th of April oh, that wow. year on yeah. her 70th birthday. I came on as Batman <laughs> and then I was revealed as Gethin Jones again and it was... Uh, it, it was just amazing. Oh, Hull, you know, it was amazing. We talked about it before. It was um, probably not the best thing ever for my career. Why, what makes you say that? Because you're sort of um, typecast as Blue right, Peter okay. presenter. You, you, yeah. know, you, you show me a Blue Peter presenters that have gone on to do other yeah. things straight away. Yeah. There are a few, don't get me wrong, yeah, but not yeah. as they probably expected to. Yeah. Because you're always sort of pigeonholed as that kids' TV yeah, presenter. Yeah, um, yeah. And it was difficult to get out of that, you know. Yeah. Strictly probably helped a little bit, but um, yeah, it wasn't. But who cares? What an experience. 31 countries, six broken bones, four world records, two lifetime ambitions. The people I met. 
And how many how many viewers did that get? Like that first episode, like you know, going from doing maybe more Welsh TV smaller yeah. shows. What was that audience rating? Oh, it was huge. Time? Yeah, it was, I don't remember at the time, but it was huge because obviously it was in its sort of prime at the yeah. time. So huge figures, and yeah. I think we used to get I used to get about two thousand letters a week. <gasps> Probably like letters. Fan letters. We had a badge team of nine people, like just doing correspondence. So how long was your stint on Blue Peter then? Three and a half years. Three and a half years, and. When did you decide to leave? Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of always that. promise myself with with anything I do that you know that I've been really careful with money outside of telly, as yeah, you know. You have. You have. And I think it's to make sure I do the right things on it. Yeah. Um, and I always said if I stopped living it, then I would leave because as a presenter, um, I don't think you can turn up, you know, daily if you're not living it because it's mm-hmm. going to have such an effect on everyone else around you. It's yeah. just not fair. And it's tough because it was a good job and it was, you know, it yeah. was paid all right. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. I, I say all right because in terms of telly, it might surprise people. But um, yeah, I just, I remember doing a belly dancing item um, one morning uh, about half eight and thinking, you know. It was a struggle. Yeah, it was yeah. a little bit. There was a few bits that were sort of not quite right. And I went straight upstairs and saw the boss and was like, look, I promised myself and, um, you know, this is my time. And, that was frustrating because he didn't take it as I thought he would at the time and um, wanted me to stay for a bit longer. And I was disappointed in him as a leader to not recognise that I wasn't trying to be difficult. I was happy to work with him, but I was being honest. Yeah. Like, it's not a great place to go if you're not loving it. Yeah. You know, it's a brilliant job. Yeah. Um, but I think you've. I think we'll come to that. That is kind of the way that you've always been true to yourself throughout your whole career, even mm. when, you know, the easier decision sometimes is to stay or 100%. even the, the decision that might catapult you further. But I think you've always stayed true to your values and yeah. to, to your heart. And at what point... And I care about other people yeah. I work with. Yeah. You know, like I would hate to come in and, you know, oh, I'm not up for it today. Just that wasn't the job for that. Yeah. It's an amazing job. And I was ready to pass on the badge to someone else, however cliche that sounds, I really mean it. It meant yeah. the world to me, that job. Mm-hmm. And when did Strictly come to play then? Towards the end of that. Yeah. So talk to us about that. I mean, it was only crazy. One yeah, it was that does I, it. I, and I think for Blue Peter at the time, it's probably a good thing because, you know, to have that crossover of yeah. doing Strictly. And I was doing Blue Peter six till two. Uh-huh. And then, you know, training dancing three till ten. Yeah. Six times a week with a show on the Saturday. Yeah. It was crazy. And yeah. it was like, I'd never worn makeup really before. And to be in the limelight like that was quite extraordinary. And then meeting someone who was high profile um, yeah. during it as well added to that. And yeah. it was, I, you know, it was a lot to take on for a, for, a, for a boy from Cardiff. So did you find you went from kind of being recognised maybe by a certain... Because obviously yeah. this is like before social and also... There was no Twitter or Instagram then. Yeah. It was that long ago. Yeah. <laughs> and we should mention actually that you getting Blue Peter was before any talent shows or anything like that. You know, it's yeah. a totally different time. So did you find when you went That's on Strictly, true. yeah, that you started to get recognised by yeah, different huge. people? An, an uh, older, a more adult audience. Absolutely. I think it was about 50 million people who watched the semi-final in the end. That's a lot, you know, yeah. and... Um, absolutely. Um, a lot of the places I went after that, and it was all really positive and lovely, and it was it was huge. I went back to my old school in Cardiff, and the whole school came out. I was like, this is just bizarre. I wasn't was I? I'm not. I don't know if I was, wasn't ready for it. I just certainly wasn't expecting it. Yeah. Um, and then, then I learned a lot about fame. Yeah. Um, and how bad it is. Talk to us about that then. I think you have to feed fame. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be constantly thinking about it. Social media these days probably proves that doesn't yeah, it i'm not yeah. sure social media is a is a great space um but then having said that i do use it and i enjoy it in my own way but i think I'm really controlled but go back to feeding fame what do you mean about that do you mean the more you put in the more famous you get like what do you mean it's just constant yeah like and i don't i never got into it for fame i got into it because i love making telly and there's nothing like the the buzz of a live show i think i relate that to playing sport and missing sport yeah. like you train all week i love mm-hmm. that process and you give your best shot on saturday yeah that's how i see live tv yeah and i genuinely love that that side of it and 80 percent of it i'm like oh this is weird the stuff that yeah. comes with it now and um i'm not criticizing anyone for it it's just not for me yeah you know and i think maybe if i'd have chased fame harder yeah i'm making this up now i've never really thought about it i don't know maybe you would see me on more different billboards. I don't know, like, but I, it wasn't. That's not really why I got into it. You know, I think with everything you do, you do it like two hundred percent. You like, you cannot do anything badly. Mm. So I think you know. It's very kind. 
was uh, untrue. Um, did, did you write that? Did someone write it's that? It's in my notes. It's in my right, notes. I so, yeah. um, <laughs> but yeah, you. Um, so I think I, I, knowing you, I can understand for you. It was a job that you wanted to do exceptionally well. Yeah. I would say. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And yeah, like anything, and um, that the f- the fame comes with what you do. Yeah. You work on telly. People know who you are, but you can't. You know, what I've seen is those people that get so many nice comments and maybe a few dodgy ones from people who are anonymous. There's yeah. no picture, uh, there's no explanation who they are, and they kind of go after those people. Yeah. And I think that's when it becomes problematic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, there's someone at the moment who's furious that I wear trainers on the telly every day. Really? Furious <laughs> about it. And I don't say anything. Is it I my mum? Oh, yeah, <laughs> she just texts me these days. But there'll, there'll be sort of odd stuff and you think, I'm not going to go after that. Yeah. I don't know what's going on in this guy's head. Yeah. Maybe he's got issues himself and I hope he's okay. Mm-hmm. I don't need to go after him after a show. I yeah. need to be proud of what we achieved you yeah. know, that day. So, But if you've you've not chased fame, and I, and I, I get that, And but what are, what are some of the good things about being famous? Uh, the, the profile, we have, as you know, a charity that helps autistic people around Wales. That's the good thing, is using your power for the good. Like, mm-hmm. you know... Um, just making some, I don't know, sometimes you can just send a little video to, to someone and it makes them feel good about what they're doing. That's amazing. Um, I think, you know, uh, when you are doing well and it's a good job and you can earn well, you know, off camera. Yeah. Nice to be able to treat friends and family yeah. to things. But, um, yeah, like, I don't, I'm not really extravagant on myself, am I? No, I've never, no. I'm sort of, I, I do enjoy surprising and, and, and sort of making other people feel good, which is probably why I enjoy morning live so much and it does make a difference to people's lives when they needed it the most yeah it started during the pandemic mm-hmm. and um it's helping people it's saying here's three three hours of news mm-hmm. here are some brilliant experts mm-hmm. telling you what that news means to you then it's good luck yeah because everyone's different everyone's individual needs um are unique yeah um and I love that um but as long as you can be you know so many channels out there telling you how to think and what to do yeah um, but I like the fact I'm part of something that gives people a chance in life. And it, and also, uh, I guess being famous has fed your love of sport because you've been able to see and do so many things mm. uh, with presenting and been invited to places. Would you say that's a really good side of it as Absolutely. well? Absolutely. I think travel is probably yeah. more than anything. Yeah. Um, travels that the I feel so blessed to have been mm-hmm. to different places because of work. Yeah. Uh, and I never take that for granted. It's um, it's unbelievable to, you know, the, when, when it all stopped in the pandemic, we all went, oh, my God, you know, it's I, I have a pilot's license. Yeah, I'm all, always so excited to get on a plane. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've stayed in a million hotel rooms. I still get excited going yeah. to a hotel room. Yeah. Um, because I just think it's just so, so bloody lucky to be doing it sorry can we yeah. swear on the podcast yeah of course little absolutely. Freudian slip there I'm sorry Squeaky you can edit it out after <laughs> can't you just a reminder that the best way you can support the show is to subscribe leave us a five star rating and a little review for what you think of our show wherever you listen to your podcasts it only takes a second and may seem like a small thing but it helps us rank in the podcast charts find new listeners and reach even more amazing guests so with your review you're actually helping to improve the anything is possible show so we met in 2018, yeah. um, as I said, mm. and um, you were kind of feeling at that point that you weren't doing as well as your peers. You basically said I was failing. When <laughs> you say it, and that's what you tried to I'm say to me. I'm literally recalling our conversations that mm. we used to have. And you Did you were, honestly think I was failing? No, I, I felt you thought you were. So I, I thought God, that... what kind of picture did I, I paint know, that night? so depressing. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I wonder why you kept plowing me with champagne. Have another drink. God, you've got to be on stage in a minute. But yeah, like when we chatted, it felt like... Obviously, I said I met you. For me, you were really famous. But yeah, when I got to know you, it felt like that you just... You felt lost. You felt unsettled. You weren't sure where you wanted to be. Um, you, you'd just taken the job in Manchester at Hits Radio. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, and yeah. you'd also hosted actually Heart FM in in, in London with Caroline. Before that, yeah, yeah. yeah. Talk to me about that time because I've seen like this emergence of you in the last five years, the change in you. But talk to us about that particular period around 2018. I think I think lost maybe is the right word career wise. Yeah. The, mm. the problem is with my job, and I don't know if if this is relatable to others, but there is no career path. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, I I can't sit there and say in five years I'd like to do this show because. Yeah. 
that show might not have even been thought about yet. Yeah. And I sort of shows myself and mm. they've not been commissioned and you get knockbacks and sometimes it's, you know, just based on how you look or the other person and they need someone else for that person yeah. and that's it. I mean, a great example, probably around, I don't know if it was around that time, you probably know better than me, but um, I was doing a bit of It Takes Two uh, on the Friday and I was traveling down to London and essentially making a loss because I had to um, pay that, my own yeah. accommodation and, and travel and, and that might surprise a lot of people. But that's the way it is. But you loved it, didn't you? Because you love Strictly so much. You love the Strictly family. Yeah. Yeah, I've yeah. done the Friars, been part of the family, done, you know, Dance with the Stars in yeah. America, seen uh, Strictly in other countries too. You know, it was a massive part of my life. And I really enjoyed that Friday. You know, it was literally a couple of seconds, uh, um, how everyone's feeling 24 hours before, and it became a bit of a thing, and I loved it. And I hung on in there as well, because I thought, you know, Zoe Ball, absolute legend, become a really good friend. And uh, she was thinking about sort of, going down to half the week because she started a radio show. And in the back of my mind, and I was open with Zoe, thinking, oh, I might have a shot at this. You might mm. do half the week with her. Cause, yeah. uh, but that's TV. And then next thing, I get a phone call on the way to work saying, oh, look, we're going with Rylan um, for, for the job. And nothing against Rylan. Good on him. Good luck. Nothing yeah. to do with him. But I sort of sat there and thought, well, if that's how this goes, <laughs> and I've done my graph for three years or four years on yeah. this show, thinking I might get a shot, and it goes away, and it's completely out of my control, what's your plan B, plan C? Mm. And I think that's when it changed, because my attitude my attitude towards the job changed, rather than me waiting to see if the industry would change for me. Yeah. And that was huge. Mm -hmm. I think that's really healthy, right? Yeah. It's always looking at yourself to see what you can do, rather than waiting for someone else to yeah, change. Yeah, it's someone else's fault or somebody's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so, um, but then by a twist of fate, um, two weeks in, literally as they started the series, Zoe was ill. Yeah. <clears throat> and I went and did a couple of days on the show as a standby. And I did the same diligence, you know me, I did the same <laughs> prep. The difference was, I was thinking it might be my last time on telly. Right, really? Yeah. So I did every show like it was my kind of, oh, well, if that goes wrong, it doesn't matter. It's yeah. not my, I've done my diligence. If it goes wrong now, we can enjoy the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And it often did with the yeah. dancers because it's so much fun and yeah. it's a bit random. And it was a brilliant couple of days. And yeah. I think a few people then at the B were like, what's different about Geth? And right. I think the difference was that I stopped worrying about everything yeah. and trying to be perfect on air because let's face it, no one wants perfect on telly anymore. They want... That's human. So they true. want normal. And I keep that now. Like I'm not perfect on screen. But you cannot you cannot criticize my prep. Yeah. Uh, or my care for it. Yeah. So if something does go wrong or I do slip over a word on a live show, I'm like, I'm human, right? And would and you have beat yourself best. up for that before? Before I would have absolutely it wouldn't have been the show could have been brilliant and I could have slipped up three words and I'd be going, Well, that was terrible. Right. Because the sort of the pressure that comes with it, yeah, and that's what changed. And I don't know whether then work came from that, but it was very much um, that. The, the, when Rylan got the job, I was like, "Well, what's my plan B?" Went back to uni, as you know, did a masters, and thought that's where I was going. So it almost like TV became a hobby again, rather yeah. than something I had to do. Yeah, because you um, you you obviously moved to Manchester, which is again where we met, mm. and. Um, in you'd, 2018. In 2018. Yeah. Um, and you'd gone to hits, and uh, and the reason I want to talk about this is oh, it yeah, ties the, into your masters. Yeah. Is that you felt that the the culture didn't feel right to you? Yeah. Sorry. That, so yeah. I should have said. So you know, it takes two things. I'm on the way to hits in yeah. the morning. I get the phone call, and that time I'm doing a job I'm not really enjoying. Yeah. Um, and then that happens on top of it, and I'm thinking, yeah. well, it's over then. Yeah. You know, radio and TV is just. Yeah. What am I doing? This is ridiculous. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, that's exactly the same um, point in time. Uh, and Hits was, you know, it was a new thing, new project. <sighs> Maybe should have seen the signs a bit earlier on, but I was happy to have a go at something. I kind of lived in London for 12 years, so I was up for a change. Yeah. And I knew Manchester really well because mm -hmm. I'd been to uni there. So I thought, why not? Give it a go. What, what's, what's to lose? I'm a single guy. Um, you know, let's do it. Um, and yeah, I think it was just the structure or... Leadership wasn't quite right. And after doing my master's, it made me realize even more it wasn't right. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a place where you could excel. Um, and there were a couple of incidents where I was like, I, I don't want to be part of this. Uh, you know, be, and I was really honest with the boss. I'm like, I'm done. Again. That, and that's what I mean. Again, I remember. You, it was a good, it was yeah. a good job, well-paid yeah. job. You know, yeah. and, but you're getting up at 4 a.m. every day. You've got to love it. Yeah. You can't turn up and, and not love it. So it was... Um, 
you know, it's a difficult one because it's, I can only tell my part of the story and they might have a different one, but um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't enjoyable and it didn't bring out the best in me no. at all. And that's important. So I think at that point then, obviously then, as you said, you, you went to do your master's, which was in sport. Sport directorship. So it focuses a lot on um, leadership culture yeah. and, and who you are and what yeah. kind of leader you want to be. Um, and all the other technical sides of maybe working in a in a sporting franchise one day. Yeah, because that was the plan, wasn't it? The plan B was potentially you might yeah. go into the sports industry. Yeah. Um, and you started the uh, you started the course, and then we went into lockdown, mm. and um, you were isolating in Manchester in your flat on your own. This is why we had the Zoom with the daffodil to give contacts, just trying to make <laughs> lockdown a bit fun. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, you and I spoke probably, I think, every day in lockdown, because mm. I was on my own, you were on your own, um, and you were doing your course on Zoom, weren't you? Um, all your learning. So you kind of enjoyed that oh, period, brilliant. didn't you? Because you really brilliant. knuckled down. Yeah, because it gave, you know, one thing, you said you were struggling with was you've gone from a, a you know a person that's got routine yeah. you're always busy to oh yeah. and you'd have those couple of days wouldn't you sometimes yeah. you're like i just don't know what to do today yeah. and i'd like eat some chocolate and chill out and you're like, no. <laughs> like everyone else is doing around the world you're not missing out on anything um but it's difficult when you go from you know a million miles an hour to zero and mm -hmm. um, i think for me that first year was brilliant because i would sort of segment the day to you know one out of three sections of the day morning afternoon yeah. and night i would focus on study yeah and i did so much reading mm -hmm. and i loved it and of course when the world opened up again it was really difficult to keep that pace going with the masters but i kind of done a lot of the work beforehand so um yeah it was not quite good it was horrendous and awful for so many people that you know but talking from my point of view and yeah. just getting through it in a mental health way yeah it was nice to have that focus in something i absolutely loved yeah yeah reading about yeah. yeah and having time to read the books you know you you know with uni yeah you get a reading list but i was able to do the extra reading yeah as well on top yeah. of that so. so it was a bit of a perfect storm at that time because you you left it you took on your masters to have kind of your plan b which maybe gave you more confidence and allowed you to think outside of the world of tv therefore you enjoyed it more always but, having a plan isn't it? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> always having a plan but also at that time, you changed agents. Yeah. Yeah. I do remember you saying at one point, you know, I'm never going to get that many gigs with Alex because it's two Welsh people with the Jones surname. It just won't happen. And then I, and then obviously, you know, for whatever reason, you started getting more slots within one show, Celebrity MasterChef, other things. And then it was like this, you know, amazing chance was offered to you by the universe, which was to go to BBC Morning Live. Mm. And in the midst of all this, you decided to move back to Cardiff. I know. Yeah, the I timing mean... wasn't great, was it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so tell me about that. What was the first call? We've got this new show. Yeah. I, I should say first, though, Hall, like, yeah, that's, you know, it's about timing sometimes, uh -huh. too. You know, I'm, I've got some I've got some friends who are super talented, brilliant presenters and you know, as I was, we all had that period we weren't where we weren't working, and I I don't take it for, for granted. I know, I know this came yeah. from nowhere, and I've grafted, yes, but I'm also really lucky yeah. for it to have have happened. I go into work with that attitude every day, and hopefully it has that effect on other people around me. You know, that that sort of positivity and, and feeling grateful for for what we're doing. Really, um, Morning Live was an eight week. Um, <laughs> pilot yeah. in London. I slept on my mate's floor. You did? Because I thought, you know, this is going to be expensive otherwise. Um, just after the pandemic. And then Wales's lockdown rules changed. Uh, and my friends who had happened to move into my flat because they had nowhere to go for whatever reason, I called them so I'm going to have to come back. So for the rest of lockdown in Wales, whilst they were trying to make a decision on Morning Live, I was living with George, Becky, two sausage dogs, and their son, Jack. And that poor kid doesn't know which one his dad is to this day. <laughs> and then they said, look, Morning Live, we want to do it. it. It did really well. We're going to do a year in London. Three months into... So I moved to London. You did. I moved to Batsy. You did. And then three months into that, um, my uh, boss called me at the time. She was just coming out of lockdown. Emma, she said, Geth. And she lived really close <laughs> in the same sort of facility as me facility what am i was like having troubles let's go to the facility i was living in a facility apparently um so she said i'm coming over and you know emma really well um and i've got some news um get the good stuff out which meant get the whiskey out 
So she comes in, we sit on the balcony, she goes, I've got good news and bad news. I said, okay, <laughs> let's go with good first. She went, uh, BBC are delighted with Morning Live. It's rating really well. They want you to be part of it. I went, wow, this is cool. This is yeah. great, Emma. I'm really proud of you. Well done. In Manchester. So what? <laughs> you said something in Manchester there. What was that? I'd literally just moved uh, three months ago and the studio is 20 metres from my flat. <laughs> oh, and I was like, right, what? What am I going to do now? <laughs> Um, and then I thought, you know, I'd only just started this journey and I had sort of eight months to think about it and then made the move again, you know, and I'm glad I did because it's been brilliant. And uh, obviously I was delighted you were moving back up to Manchester, know, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah. Um, but does it feel like a dream country? Because, you know, you're in, it, it's breakfast time, I presume it's one of the prime TV slots of the day. You're on the BBC One. Like, surely, even if you hadn't had that feeling of, been lost before regardless this is an amazing step in absolutely your career, right? it's funny you say prime time i think maybe that's changed right yeah you know yeah. yourself working from home yeah people's schedules change it yeah. seemed like people are now getting up a bit earlier yeah yeah i don't know going walking the dog taking the kids to school uh -huh. and then coming uh -huh. back and sitting down watching morning live before starting work yeah. because they could yeah you know yeah. um so i don't know but you know our viewing figures are are, are insane the share is incredible every day i'm like goodness it's a, you know i'm scared to say it because i'm one of those people that just keeps looking towards tomorrow rather than looking at yesterday but it has been a real triumph and that's because the show's one big whatsapp group with the nation as i describe it and yeah. people really get involved um yeah oh my god it's amazing and i love it and you know it's our show it's not my show it's our show and I love what we do. I love how we're challenged. I've got a brilliant boss in Emma Morris, who's just one of the very best uh, leaders of people and TV instincts. Her live instinct is quite something. Yeah. Um, oh, and she'll love that. Yeah. <laughs> you keep that in because it's yeah, good. Yeah, it's you good know, I've got to renegotiate yeah, a contract yeah, at some yeah, point. Yeah. yeah. And now she's across uh, Morning Live and The One Show. And um, I think the BBC are very lucky to have her. And I really feel that when, I mean, obviously I know some of the guys at Morning Live, but it is this family that's yeah. almost like grown since yeah. you've started and you've brought people in and if they're the right fit, it, it 100%. stays. 100%. But you've driven a lot of that. And I, I, I believe, like, you wouldn't imagine that a TV star goes to work thinking about culture, but I know that you do. Yeah, absolutely. We implement a lot of the stuff I've learned about culture. Yeah. I mean, you're saying that to me, Holl, and you're running this business, right? And you know yourself, you've you've got to have good people around yeah. you. And I think if there's someone bad, you have to address that quickly uh -huh. because it can really affect your team yeah. ethic, right? But, um, yeah, it's, it's hugely... You get that culture right, and the yeah. TV show at 9.15 will look after itself. Yeah. If you get that wrong, it's not a good place when things go wrong, and it's live TV, so it does happen a lot. Presenter is a leadership role, mm -hmm. is it not? Uh, right, okay. Well, I don't mean to the normal person. They would understand that but explain that to people then i think you set the tone in many ways there's a great thing from clive woodward the rugby world cup 2003 squad where they weren't allowed to say the word tired because it had a psychological psychological effect on on the on the team yeah um and i think that's true if you say hey how you doing and someone says they're tired when you get in at five yeah. o'clock and you're in every day then that's not great so yeah. i think it's setting the tone i get into meetings early um, I'm always there. I try to be there before everyone else because it'll just slowly, uh, people will start to say, oh, Geth will probably be there. We should go up. And yeah. if you're on time, then there's no stress. Yeah. Um, it's making sure, I read the brief every night out of respect to our researchers and APs. Um, I make sure they have a voice in every meeting because otherwise, what's the point in them speaking to, the, to our guests? They know better than we do. Yeah. So empowerment's really important too. And if you get that right, I'm sure Emma would agree, then you're on, you're on to a good path. And I don't think that's been a, the case in lots of TV shows I've worked on, but I do think that leadership role can be can be quite good. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe I look for it because I know, but I definitely feel that that like family, like you want to be a part of it when you watch it. I mean, certainly you've just um, done the Strictly um, fundraiser for Comic yeah. Relief, yeah. where for those that didn't see it, you danced straight for 24, 24 hours, hours yeah. and raised just under 1.3 million. I mean, it's overwhelming. Yeah, was, but that was the team. Yeah. But that was the team. That was yeah. three months of the team putting this TV show yeah. together. Yeah, I was in pain for a day. Yeah, but that was very much a team effort, and everyone was there at the end. It is a family. We do see each other. I've just come from Zan Stagdu. Yeah. I'm seeing James Greenwood's new baby on Saturday. Oh. I've just come from a coffee with Dr. Poonam. Yeah, you know, 
that we are. And but you also respect it. There are some co-hosts, for example, yeah. who like to come into work, yeah. do a brilliant job, and leave. Yeah, but the core team. And uh, I respect that. Yeah, yeah. I'm just nuts. I like to know everything. But that's me. I don't expect it from them. We're yeah. all different. That's what I've learned over the years. You, you know. And sometimes you don't have to be friends with yeah. the person on screen. My relationship with Kim Marsh is hilarious. <laughs> you know, I should be the first one to say it. Like, um, and it's very different. But you don't have to. I'm, I don't say I don't like Kim. But you don't always have to be friends with. Yeah someone on screen for it to work as yeah. long as you've got on screen respect and yeah. that's been a real learning for me it's great uh-huh. if you are mates because it makes mm. life a lot easier and more fun yeah um, but you've got to respect everyone around you and i've learned so much about that leadership if you put it into google you get over five billion hits so you're never going to learn leadership you just mm-hmm. have to decide which one you want to be and, and Have you been wondering what Anything Is Possible Live 2024 is all about? It's a 12-hour personal development experience from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Beyond the amazing content that is going to help you achieve your dreams, we have got mega brands, delicious food and drink, unique activations, and much more. This is the sign you have been waiting for. It is time to invest in yourself and be part of something amazing. I really hope to see you there. Link in the bio to buy your tickets. Stay stay true to yourself and being consistent. And I try and do that. That's really important to me. What would your style of leadership be, would you say? I think it's uh, honesty. Bossy. Bossy. (laughs) Telling you when you're wrong. Um, I think it's building relationships. Mm -hmm. And, And what I mean by that is if we're in a live TV environment, uh, psychological space is so important. Psychological safety in that space. Um, what do you mean by that? Yeah. D- honesty, integrity, consistency. Yeah. And uh, having psychological safety. So building up relationships to the point where if I really need something live, I'm going to say, Moxie, what's coming next? You donut. Yeah. Rather than, James, I'm so sorry to trouble you with 30 <laughs> seconds ago in this VT. But, you know. <laughs> And he gives it back. And yeah. it's um, finding that balance obviously is key. But we have a really good relationship. The debriefs sometimes are brutal. We've really? done a show that's been really good on air, but we've really gone after those little bits of detail because yeah. that 1%, I think, makes makes you all the difference. Be. But you only get that if you've got a good culture and a good team around you. Yeah. If everyone else is panicking and they're mad or they think they're going to get in trouble, uh-huh. we've talked about this yeah, before, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. then you're not going to get people working at their optimum and they're not going to enjoy it yeah. enjoy the pressure yeah can you get to a point where you enjoy the pressure yeah, yeah. that's when you know you're, you're doing something right yeah um so that you came up to manchester the show is going amazing everybody loves it i think that you know um your mum loves it doesn't she? oh my mum loves it yeah, she she's loves got it. always got plenty to say always oh, lots of feedback oh she does she messages me about your different presenters and who she oh, yeah. you with and all that oh, and yeah. hasn't and funny about you saying you relaxed right in the beginning she was like gets really relaxing into the, the role no, into, oh, yeah. okay mum thanks mum thanks yeah. Yeah. yeah two and a half years later yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but you, you'd obviously like you. You're covering, and I do want to just touch on the the, the episode you've just done on mental health. Yeah. Um, because obviously everyone that listens knows how passionate I am about it and how passionate I am about OCD. Yeah. And Emma Morris had listened to the um, show with uh, my psychologist, Costas Papagiorgio, talking about OCD. Yeah, Emma and the boss, our boss. Emma, yeah. yeah. And it prompted her to include OCD in uh, the show. Yeah. And I said to you, I watched it nervously because OCD is always covered or very often covered at real surface level on TV. And to cover it in the way that you did at like in, at 9.30 in the morning was just phenomenal. Um, that's all Emma yeah that's all Emma's plan yeah she's right behind it she's you know it's a really gutsy thing to do you know it might not have rated as well as other shows maybe it's still yeah. rated really well yeah but I think you know we're a public broadcaster yeah. and it's important that we get those messages out to raise yeah. awareness for all kinds of um, mental health yeah. diagnosis um, so people can help other people out yeah. it was a huge problem after the pandemic as you know you've been through the mill massively it's lovely to hear from someone like you that you thought it was done in the right way because yeah. that was important to us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was really proud to be a small part of it, you know, getting the message out there. And back, I mean, back to kind of this morning back in the day when I did have OCD and it would have been 2006, yeah. 7. Oh, yeah. I remember 
when I was in the start of it and the absolute mist of it and I'm getting this all these intrusive thoughts and I remember going home and this morning was on and they had a lady who still campaigns for OCD now called Diana forget her surname and she'd been having intrusive thoughts about harming her children that wasn't what my thoughts were but oh I listened to it enough to understand when the doctor this the doctor had been telling me I'd got intrusive thoughts and I didn't know what that meant and then I heard her been interviewed on this morning and I was like oh, it is a thing, other people do have it. Yeah. And so that's how powerful TV well, that's can what be. I was saying, it's, you know, linear TV as it stands right now is really powerful. And I think even you, you know, you've been in this industry for a long time, but even you texted me, it sounded to me like they were talking to you yeah. as they would have been a lot of other people who yeah. are suffering with uh-huh. OCD. And that's, I think, probably what I'm most proud about doing the show is that we do talk to people who need the help. And yeah. it's saying, you know, see you, I hear you. Yeah. It's gonna. It's hard, but it's hard for lots of other people. You're not alone, yeah. uh, and that message is really strong, isn't it? Yeah. No. It was. It was amazing. So thank you for that. Thank you to Emma. Um, so everything that you do in life, you do do to two hundred percent, which I've mentioned before. That's gone up a hundred percent since 100. you mentioned it last. <laughs> I'm getting better as this podcast goes along. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Anything is possible. <laughs> um, you research everything. Mm. Um, you apply yourself to everything. And you are a stickler. And I think this comes into the culture piece for treating people, I would say, well and properly. I'm and single. I, I've got a lot of time on my hands. Yeah, what we'll come to that in a minute. Oh, I've really? Lost, I've, lost I, was, yeah, I was wondering when we get into that. Yeah. <laughs> but I always say to people, you know, like my thing will be, I'll say to, to Joel, you know how proper Geth is. Geth will have an opinion on this for me. Mm. And then I come back and go, oh, I got off lightly today. He was pleased with that. <laughs> So where, I, I try not to give opinion. I try to I try to give uh, ask notes. good questions. No, you always say I've got notes. I got you. notes, yeah, yeah, but they're usually questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what so, I like to but think. where does that, that mindset come from? Because it is strange. <gasps> it is. No, I mean it's brilliant, but you also have a really photographical. Is that the right word? Your, your memory Short is ridiculous. Memory. Yeah. What you remember the detail of? Yeah. Where, so where does this? It's important. Details important, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think you know every day I'm I'm probably learning. I'm probably using 10% of what I've read for the show. Yeah. It's probably that much, but it's that day you might just need that 90% yeah. that makes a difference. And it has happened once or twice where you've just been able to pick up because you know what someone's talking about. Uh, some guests are harder than others. You know, if you're interviewing Whoopi Goldberg and you've got to go through her CV and be on it because she'll yeah. talk about, you know, and then when I did this film, you have to kind of know what she's talking about. Yeah. And, and that's a lot of work, but it's really cool work. It's the best yeah. part of my job is preparation. Yeah. Prepare to fail, fail to prepare is something my dad's probably always said in my oh, ear. Oh, really? I didn't know that. It's come from Comes from dad. that a little bit, yeah. Maybe over the top sometimes. But um, the difference now is knowing your stuff uh-huh. and then enjoying it after. Yeah. You know, before I might have gone, oh, I've got to tell you how much I know in this question. <laughs> and the question would be a minute and a half long and be no question at the yeah. end of it because I'm just trying to show to my peers, We're producers. Yeah, I know, look what I know. You know, the key now is that I read the brief. People know I read the brief and I'm prepped and I'm taking on more information yeah. as part of a team. And if things change or things go wrong, um, then you just deal with it as it is. Yeah. You know? yeah. But I think I'm only nervous. I'm not often nervous, as you know, but the only time I'd be a bit nervous if is, is if I hadn't prepped. Yeah. But if I'm prepped, I'm happy. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. So you are still single. Thanks One of the UK's most eligible bachelors. Don't try and make up for it. <laughs> What like what I know? Oh, don't you, ask the question. I, what? I don't know. Have, yeah, you, pri- you prioritise your career though, right? I don't even know if I've done that. I mean, I do say you like Chandler being our friends. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, that could mean Ooh, anything. She, her eyelash was just a little bit to the no, left. No, but you've got that from my sister who <laughs> phoned up the radio it. station and was awful and got out of hand and it was all about toes and <laughs> I can never forget that and it was out of hand. Uh, I don't know. I think that's a bigger, more complex conversation for another podcast, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I, um, I, I'm a pretty simple guy, but yeah. probably quite complex. Um, yeah. You know, rooted, I've probably, that's just gone against what I've said. But there's something complex in there, isn't there? And yeah. um, um, I don't know. I don't know why. I mean, you've had a go at me about it before. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't have any answers. But I just kind of hope and figure that, I, you know, You've said this a lot before. I came to your um, Anything is Possible event and there was a lot of chat there about relationships and being happy in yourself, mm-hmm. uh, which sounds like a cliche, but it's very much true. And I am. I'm really content. Yeah. I'm happy. I've got two arms, two legs. Uh, I've not had to think about heating bills too much over the last year. Yeah. And honestly, 
I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. And, and everything else after that is, is a bonus. Um, and, you know, I'm in a good place. And I think then, you know, COVID happened. My mum was calling me during COVID going, <laughs> are you still single? I'm like, mum, if I wasn't, <laughs> I'd be breaking the law. Oh, what the hell? <laughs> like, what do you think I'm doing? How do you think I'm dating right now? Um, so, yeah, it, that, you know, obviously that was two, two, three, whatever years. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, no, I'm just open to, I think also, like, your friends get busy. And yeah. I've sort of had a pop a few of my friends to sort of say, I've always been a good wingman and now yeah. you're all settled down and happy. When have you taken me out for a beer? Yeah. Where'd you meet someone? Yeah. Uh, and it's difficult at work because, of, you know, having a profile and stuff. it's difficult being famous though because, I mean... No, as... that, that sounds trite. I don't mean that, but it, it does... But does you know, it worry you? If like... you go from production to production, yeah. I like to think I'm really professional. It's very difficult to meet someone in that environment. Yeah. Um, but does it worry you? I mean, we talked recently about the kind of, you know, everything that's been in the media, about TV presenters and everything. Does it worry you that unless you are squeaky clean, like you've no guarantee that you meet someone and they don't sell a story? Yeah. Like, does that has that worried you over the years? No, I like selling stories and stuff like that. No, I mean, being professional is really important. Again, yeah. that leadership role of, you know, doing the right thing and, um, you know, just being polite and courteous, really, and, and being careful what you say because you've always got to be... You know what I'm like, I love a bit of shock humour um, <laughs> and uh, it's always making sure you're aware of the most offended person in the room. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think that was a good lesson I learned uh, in work. Um, and that's, that, no, that, do you know what, it frustrates me sometimes because you think, no, I'm not being myself. Yeah. And I don't mean any harm by, you know, yeah. you know me with my shock humour, but yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's not for someone else. So I've got to respect that. No, I can imagine it's a bit like being in a fishbowl, especially now at the level you're at. You know, you go on a date, it's captured on a mobile and then it's it's on social the next day. I don't and... mind that because I'm not doing anything wrong. Yeah, yeah, you know, true, I like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That People think it's you're seen with someone. What, what if I am? Yeah. Getting on a date with girl. <laughs> How is that a story? I mean, people are interested in your private life for whatever reason, but I'm not worried about that at all. Yeah. Um, uh, I just, I just doesn't happened. I like to think that uh, maybe I'm idealistic, but I'm open to meeting someone. My goodness, I'd love to have children one and day. That, yeah, no, getting that. on a bit now, but obviously easier for men. Um, but I just hope it'll happen. And you know, yeah. until then, I can't do anything but about it. I think it. what is, you know, I think what a lot of guys and I've, I've talked about this with my friends actually about you and I think oh, yeah. you are uh, single uh, ones no I will oh. not put any of them your way you know I've told you that I can't, Sorry, do, I can't deal with the consequences it's not about you <laughs> this is the problem stop being so selfish you're happy well I think I'll get loads of people now messaging me won't they put me in touch it's the only reason I come on the podcast I warned you guys I warned you anything is possible Geth <laughs> might get a date <laughs> <laughs> but you, I think you are very self-contained. You're happy to travel alone, very like me in that way. Like you've got loads going on. And if, I actually think that that is, you know, I think that's attractive for a guy. There's so many guys that go from relationship to it cannot be mm. on their own. Yeah. And actually like the fact that you don't necessarily need anyone to find happiness is 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 amazing. And I, 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 I Yeah, but at the same time, yeah. But at the same time, it, you know, now I'm a bit like I'm, I've been really lucky with travel and you're sort of looking at going away in the summer. It just would be nice to share that with yeah, someone. Yeah, yeah. You know, all those stories yeah. before I become the most boring uh, old yeah. man in the history of human I'll send race. you all the DMs I get, okay? Okay, it's thanks. Fine. Um, so um, just just before we come to the close of, of the podcast, you've said that you can't really plan your career in TV. That's not how it goes. Um but do you have any goals? Maybe I know you're getting into high rocks and you love your fitness. Like, what do you see the next decade looking like for you, if uh, anything was possible? Uh, I think, like you, exercise is key to me for many yeah. reasons. For me, it was routine when mm -hmm. I didn't have one. Mm -hmm. uh, feeling good. I think if you feel good, you, you perform well mm -hmm. on screen. It gives you a bit of confidence. I like to do I think I do it, I think, for the right reasons in terms of feeling good and rather than a vanity thing. But, um, you know, it's nice to feel good too, yeah. you know. Um, I, I, you're right. There's no career structure. Um, I am with Morning Live at the moment. Uh, however long they want me for, I don't know. We shall see. You yeah. never know with this industry. I've always planned for the worst because that's how it's always happened for me anyway. Um, I'd love to, um, we have been planning to build a school for autistic children in Cardiff. That's a massive dream of mine and I really hope I get to it. Because um, your nephew has got autism. Yeah, he's yeah. the inspiration. Me and my best friend, Sean, we both have uh, nephews who have autism. So we're pretty passionate about that. And I think with TV, I'm 100% committed to the job I've got now. Um, but it's not the be-all and end-all. And I'll be okay if it doesn't mm -hmm. sort of 
work out the way I want it to. It's uh, I don't know. I, I I'm I'm really torn between you know your agent sort of saying, well, we need this and we need to push for that, and I'm really grateful for this job. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm still working. Twenty years in, I love it. Yeah. It's not a day I get up at five a.m. where I don't want to go to work, yeah. and not just that, but I'm excited about going yeah. to work. So um, that's good enough for me at the moment, mm -hmm. you know. And I'm ambitious, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm. It doesn't define me. My the work doesn't define me anymore. Yeah. You know, I want to do a good job every day, and and for as long as I'm doing that, I'm happy. Yeah, and and I, and I I know that from you because you've got so much in your life, and even though as we touched on, you're not in a relationship or got a family at the moment. Bring that up again. You are, yeah. And Wow. You are very, you know, and you've got a lot of friends. You're included in a lot of people's family and friendship groups. Mm. And that's testament to you as a friend because of what you give to everybody else. And I'm a know. really good free manny. But, you know, you do drive away in those lonely moments thinking, oh, I'd love this yeah. for me one day. But yeah. you can't you can't force that. So. And if it's meant to be, it, it, it will is. happen. So, um, Gethin, thank you. Big conclusion coming up. Yeah, Come on, big make no, me well, proud. Actually, actually, we need to revert back. So March 2021, we did present the Make Events TV show together in lockdown. Um, and we said, you said, are you going to make anything as possible happen? I said I would. It is. And it's full yeah. circle that you are here with me today so thank you for that um but please let's conclude the podcast on what does anything is possible mean to you i i was i i listened to your podcast so i know that, absolute liar uh, i listened to your podcast and i know that you finish every single interview with that question i thought about it loads and i think it went around my head so many times because anything is possible is a wonderful phrase but sometimes it's taken away from you for, mm -hmm. for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And I think anyone listening to this is, you know, it's not putting pressure on those because sometimes you just can't do it. Things mm -hmm. change in life and it's completely up against you. Um, I think for me, it's like if you can fight for anything that's possible, um, that's the key to it. Um, and, I, and it's amazing where you can get to. Mm -hmm. I think life is about timing, but when that timing strikes, my goodness, you have to be ready for that opportunity and you have to graft and uh, you have to give it your best shot. And I think, you know, there's no better example of that than someone like you, you know. So it's good that you're doing this. And, you know, I wish you continued success because I think you're helping a lot of people. Well, thank goodness that the young Gethin Jones forked for his place on mm. Blue Peter because the it would be a sad day for the nation if you weren't on our TVs. <laughs> um, I love your mum would be furious. Yeah, oh my <laughs> She puts her makeup on for you. And <laughs> That's so good. I bet she does as well. She actually does. Um, listen, um, I love you to bits. Make events, love you to bits. You're one of the family here. Thank you so much. Um, we have thoroughly enjoyed having you. Thank you. Have you been wondering what Anything Is Possible Live 2024 is all about? It's a 12-hour personal development experience from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Beyond the amazing content that is going to help you achieve your dreams, we have got mega brands, delicious food and drink, unique activations, and much more. This is the sign you have been waiting for. It is time to invest in yourself and be part of something amazing. I really hope to see you there. Link in the bio to buy your tickets.